it became more of like listening. Listening mm. is what changed me and learning, you know, instead yes. of being the one that had all the answers all the time. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to hear what other people's situations were. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 20 of the Dig New Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi, and on the podcast this week, I have Nicole Braddock-Bromley, who is the author of several books, including Hush, Moving from Silence to Healing After Childhood Sexual Abuse. Uh, She is an international speaker, a sexual abuse survivor, and an activist. Nicole is the founder of One Voice, as well as the founder and executive director of One Voice for Freedom, which is a nonprofit organization focused on stopping child sex trafficking around the world. Um, This conversation was so life-giving for me. We talked about so much, including self-care, what it looks like to be in some kind of spiritually nourishing community now, uh, and what it looks like to walk alongside people who suffer. Uh, This is a conversation that I'll remember for a long time, and I'm so grateful to have had it. As always, if you want to keep up with the podcast, you can follow on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube at Dig New Streams Podcast. And without further ado, my conversation with Nicole Braddock-Bromley. Yeah, well, and that's why I always say healing is a lifelong journey because Mm. there's always more to uncover. And that can be daunting for a lot of, especially survivors of abuse. It's like, no, like, give me like a goal and like, let's just go hard and get there. Right. Which I I appreciate that. And I get it. But also like, there's so much beauty in the journey and just knowing that like, we're never our best self. Like there's always more to uncover in our lives and to find freedom from. And that's the biggest thing for me in this lifelong journey with therapy and, Mm. and dealing with triggers and all the things is like, I always enter more freedom. And I love, I love that. I love finding more joy. I love feeling more whole. I love connecting with myself and my younger self and with the earth and with nature. I mean, it's like, I never thought I could really feel as deeply as I can now. And it's such a cool thing to keep, to keep going, to stay here. Yeah. Yes. I love that. That makes me, so I've always, where I've always struggled, and I don't know if this connects for you is that once I started to learn more about Jesus through seminary and all that, like, I'm like, man, um, Christianity is rebellion, but in our country, it's convention. Yeah. You know? And if you've grown up in church, you know how cheesy it is. (laughs) We we sing songs to a a boyfriend in the sky and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and for me and what I've Mm -hmm. seen, what I've experienced and heard about your life and what you do, is mm-hmm. is um rebellious it's revolutionary it's like yeah i'm not gonna take it the way things are yeah so yep. what i you know the things that i read from your story when you wrote it and the things i've heard <laughs> i'm imagining as mm-hmm. you've grown and becoming more rebellious against mm-hmm. the system like things change for you yeah does anything <laughs> come to mind and honestly <laughs> let Listening to your podcast with Dr. Bart like made me think oh, yeah. some things are shifting. What does that look like for you now? 
Oh, I feel so seen. (laughs) 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 It's so funny. I had an intern um, a couple summers ago who loved Hush, my first book, Hush, and just Mm. adored it. And then began to get to know me um, and then read it again. And she was like, you just you sound different now <laughs> to read that book. But I mean, it came out in 2007. And mm. isn't that the point of journeying with Jesus is that we do evolve and the narrow mindedness that maybe we grew up with, with our patriarchal parents is different now. Yes. And, and also walking alongside people who are in pain or who are marginalized. I mean, it changes you. If you stay in that box, you only go to Christian school. You only hang, hang out with white people, with rich yeah. people, with yep. the private school kids, the parents. I mean, how can you evolve? How can you change? Um, for no. me, it's just been about being in the trenches or having friends that don't look like me, hearing mm. their stories. I mean, story changes you. And I just think the story of Jesus is so much about mercy, about compassion, um, mm. about opening your eyes to what's different and learning from that. And yeah, that love, love would ground us and connect us all. And so, yeah, I think <laughs> <laughs> in the first parts of my ministry, I, it was, it was different than it is now. And I still think the thing that still rises to the top is Jesus. And that has never changed because he has never changed and his story has never changed. But the way that I look at the world and interact with the world and the language no longer fits the old ways. And, um, and I've had, I think the biggest thing for me, Dave, and I know you probably would relate is, um, I just, instead of wanting to speak all the time and be heard. And I had my perfectly packaged testimony ready to deliver upon any. (laughs) Get a little excited. Yeah. I love Um, it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It became more of like listening. Listening Mm. is what changed me and learning, you know, instead of being the one that had all the answers all the time. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to hear what other people's situations were. Mm, I love That's that. That's where it changed for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, the same is, yeah, I can resonate, but one of the values of the church that I planted was listen. The first value was listening. That leads to understanding what I wasn't aware of was how disruptive that would be when I listened to myself. Um, so wow. listen to what was going on for me. Um, much something you touched on, you know, which, you know, uh, played out in various ways that were painful to not only me, but to the people that were connected to me. Um, the, um, something you wrote in your book that connects with what you were just saying, you wrote, I'm not above God. I must forgive just as he does. I remember when I first heard the phrase, um, love your enemies that Jesus Mm. like kind of proposed. And when I was growing up, you know, hell was a big part of the formation that I I grew up with. So there's punishment. There's this God that forgives, but will damn you for an eternity in hell. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. If you don't think a certain way. And I started to be like, well, why do I have to be better than God? Like I'm, I'm a created being. Why do I have to be better than the thing that created me? Like I have to forgive, but God doesn't have to. Like mm. forgive, but you know, you still got to burn for eternity. I'm sorry. And when, when you talk about that, like just that, the way that we evolve, because we were brought up in a patriarchal system that, mm. that enabled your stepfather to do what he did to you. 
Like he was enabled, empowered, emboldened, whatever it is to just do whatever um, he did, including the people that supported him, upheld him, all that sort of stuff. And the more, more we grow and the more we change, it's very hard to not to sort of stay. Mm-hmm. It's hard to stay. I, I can say for myself, I'm yes. not, I haven't been in church in three years. Yeah. Uh, you're there. Like you're still doing it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at what you do and I'm in awe a bit. And I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. curious, what is it that keeps you connected? Not just to Jesus. I get Jesus. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but, to, but to those, to the, the institutions, what enables you to connect with those and relate to them still? Hmm. I think um, that's a really good, good question. Um, I think for one, it's, it's about the people for me. Um, I have really good friends in my church community. However, as I have grown and changed and evolved so much, Hmm. it's different. (laughs) And, you know, there's some who I really track with and others who it's like, wow, I'm just not there anymore. Yeah. But like, how can I love you anyways? I mean, that's the story of our whole world. I mean, half my family believes politically way far different than I do. Mm. How do we still have holiday dinners? You know, it's, 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 it's in the church. It's out of the church. So um, that's been figuring out. But I also think that there's something, something about just being in just being connected to a community that um, hasn't given up on me and mm. who knows, you know, where I'm at, where I was and, and celebrates me, wants to support me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yes. Despite absolutely. the differences and, yes. and also that my voice matters in my church community too. I think mm. that is a big one. And I think there's a lot of places that I would have left um, yeah. I would have been on a hiatus as well and figuring it out myself, but for right. me personally, the, the one that I've been involved with, um, for all these years remains. Yeah. Um, that's beautiful. Re- yeah. It I remains love that. all those things for me. I love that. You know, I, I was recently having a conversation with a friend of mine who's a pastor in New York city. And, um, often my friends that are pastors or that have been a part of communities that I've been a part of for the last 15 years are like, where are you at? you know, mm. what is, what does faith mean for you now? And I was like, or what is discipleship? What is all that? I'm like, mm. and this one story, <laughs> this one story recently came to mind for me, you mm. know, the one where, um, this guy says to Jesus, I want to follow you. He said, he's like, but he's like, I got to bury my dead father first. Mm. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I'm going to bury the dead for a little while. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. I think that yeah. I just need to tend to, wounds and mourn and heal more i'm not ready to like to um to overthrow the system again which is what i was trying to do in a very unhealthy way within Mm -hmm. me it was destroying me Mm -hmm. and and you wrote um in your book if i was in control i didn't have to trust anyone Mm -hmm. but and a lot of that comes from your experience of of abuse and i i felt like for me what was true is if i could control a community if mm-hmm. I could be the leading voice up front, it'd be like, I'm fine. I'm, I have no problem. But if I have to be just another person and like, mm-hmm. which is what I desperately wanted, mm-hmm. uh, it was very painful for me. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where I fit. And I think I, d- I have a hard time trusting people 
that they mm-hmm. actually are willing to, to see me for my pain and not for what I do or don't do. Yeah. And as a leader, I mean, it's huge. Your story, what it does for people you do there, therefore in those spaces feel seen. You feel like you feel like you can trust people in a way that maybe. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, that's going a little far. Yeah. yeah Cause that's where I'm struggling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where truthfully. I still struggle. Right. Yes. Right. I mean, I, wonder I then- think trust is especially, you know, you mentioned, you know, you you've been hurt in the past. And I think oftentimes we're hurt by those that we are supposed to trust. Right. And then we live the rest of our lives wondering when the next shoe is going to drop. Exactly. And even when we're really healthy, <laughs> exactly. even when, you know, you have healthy relationships and you've healed a lot of things. I mean, it's still there. Right. Because humans fail us and institutions right. definitely do. Right. And I mean, that's a big part of where I'm at is like, I look left and right as an advocate and an activist on these kinds of topics. Right. Everywhere you turn, it's another pastor with major failures. It's yes. another, you know, leader who's a criminal, right. you know, there it's, right. it's everywhere. Right. And so, no, I don't walk into even my own church and say, mm. I trust it. No way. Mm. In fact, there's a lot of things that even my community won't speak out on really boldly, or they'll say something. I'll be like, well, that wasn't well said. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yes. I've had to give up the control because it's not my baby. Right. And it's not theirs either. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it is a bunch of misfits and sinners meeting together because we all do know and love Jesus. And we want more of an experience with him and with one another. Yeah. And that's what I think matters to me. Yeah. I'm thinking coming through a lot of your work is this understanding of a deep need for one another. Yes. And not only a need for one another, but your, your need for one another is informed by your need for yourself, like your need to be whole. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, that's what I really have learned from, I mean, anyone that's listening to this really should listen to your podcast because I found you had this series on survivors and you're Mm. just like constantly leaning into yourself in a way that feels like so healing. If I assuming for, I'm assuming for you, but also for those that are part of your community. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. No, it, it was really powerful for me. I, like I said to you before we started recording, I was in tears just listening to some mm-hmm. of your experiences and um, I'm not even sure because it, it doesn't resonate with my experience. I don't know what it's like to lose children in Cambodia to sex yeah. trafficking. Um, but your ability to deeply connect reminds me of what I learned about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I have been taking a hiatus for a while on what that looks like, I wanted to say it's really inspiring to see someone doing what you're doing and staying sort of. And I, okay, so here's here brings the other question: you, people get to see you in this context, right? They get to see you on interviews, podcasts, you write. Um, they don't see you when you're triggered. They don't see you when you're in pain. Right. Um, yeah. What does that look like? Not, not the description of how it looks. How are you processing through those things? What does it look like for you to find some kind of peace in those moments? It's mm, a really great question. Um, yeah, I think I, for one, I've, I've learned to expect the triggers and I think that helps me through them when they come. Mm you know, something in my environment or a situation with my children or, you know, my husband or whatever it might be would be 
feel triggering to me, I can stop and I can say this is normal. Yeah. Because I was sexually abused for uh, 10 years yeah. of my childhood. Mm. I was raped in college, you know, and I, mm. and I, my stepfather committed suicide when I found my voice, mm. you know what I mean? Um, mm. There were so many layers to my trauma, you yes. know, that's just the start of it. But yes. So I can say, okay, I've gone through a lot of things and there would be a reason why I would feel triggered right now. Mm. What is it? So it helps me to step back and look at the bigger picture and not feel so like I need to go run in the closet and shut the door and not come out, right? you know, or think about ending it all. You know, there's so many extremes to it. So I think the biggest thing is just normalizing it for myself. And then um, you know, maybe call my therapist, set up an appointment. That's a big one, but yeah, you know, for an example of something recent that mm. was helpful to me in recognizing a trigger and I felt so overwhelmed, so anxious, so consumed by this situation, um, was realizing that when I am afraid I seek control. Mm. And so there's a situation with one of my children and I felt very fearful, um, I felt like, oh my gosh, like this thing came out of nowhere. We weren't expecting it. I'm scared. How do I, I've got to fix this. And the only way to do it is to now just control everything. But I knew that by controlling the situation, I would lose connection and connection with my boys is like the key. Like we talk about everything. We're so tight knit Mm -hmm. and that, that is number one for me. And so it was like, my trigger would then end up having a repercussion of the exact opposite of what I would actually want. Yes. So it was like, I had to, I have to be able to step back out of the situation, you know, and a lot of it is processing with safe people, safe friends, survivors who understand similar triggers, my therapist, Mm. um, journaling out some of it's really helpful for me. Um, nice. going for walks, you know, just kind of stepping outside of the situation yeah. and, and assessing, okay, when I feel triggered, this is what I do. Yeah. And do I want that to then affect this? No, <laughs> right. I don't. So right. what can I do? And a lot of times it's like, okay, I can set a better boundary here. Right. And I feel safe inside that boundary, you know, yes. or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, no, that's, I, mean- I guess a little journey of what it looks like for me. And, and yeah. to your point, yeah. These things do happen. And you're right. The public doesn't see that. No. Um, but it is important to know it happens to all of us. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And our kids, thank you for sharing that. Our our kids are one of our biggest triggers often, right? You yeah. know, like yeah, because we know we are just like trying to give them so much that we didn't get, mm-hmm. um, or keep them right. safe from the things that we did get that we didn't want, right. you know. That's right, yeah. Um, and or just yeah. you know, for many of us who were sexually abused as kids or physically abused abuse or whatever it was, um, when your child reaches the age you were that maybe it was the worst of it or something like that, oh, man. that just in itself can be a trigger. Like they yeah. didn't even do anything, right. but grow up. Right. So right. It's like you just being aware. I think that's again, the importance of therapy of talking of journaling. It's like yeah. recognizing what is it in your story? Cause how would you know that when your kid turns a certain age, you might start feeling a little something <sighs> unless you were really working through it. You're talking through it. It's something you're dealing with, yes. you know, on a regular basis. Absolutely. You know, that makes me think about, uh, and maybe this is just because I might quote this, like every time I'm on the podcast or speak in any way. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I don't know if you know who he is or was, he has this quote that says, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do 
or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. And I have taken that as a bit of a mantra in life. And so what I've done effectively is um, excuse when people um, put their shit on me, when people hurt me. And I've done that with the person that hurt me as a kid. I've done that over my life. I'm like, I wouldn't call that abuse. I wouldn't call it that. You know, they were struggling. They had their own pain. And I haven't still to this day figured out what does it look like for me to advocate for my own sort of Mm -hmm. truth while I know that someone else is hurting me out of their own pain. Yeah. Uh, You know, and that's something Mm -hmm. that, um, that I, I'm trying to figure out, I'm not so much of a people pleaser pushover anymore, but Mm -hmm. now, now I too quickly go to like, "Eh, that's, that's because they're hurting. Passion. Yeah. Have you struggled with that at all? Yeah. And I think I struggle with it with others that I really care about and love. Like even just hearing that from you really hurts my heart because Mm. I think that it's so important that we don't dismiss that. Um, just because we're good hearted people, because Mm. it happened to you. Yeah. Um, so I think toxic positivity is very (laughs) traumatizing. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. And even, you know, typically I talk about that coming from other people, you know, like ignorant, well-intentioned, whatever, but like, that's so wrong to say like, oh, but at least it wasn't that bad, or at least you weren't that, you know, or it didn't go on that long, or it's so great that he took his life. Like, you know, it's like all these things, but actually it wasn't great. It was actually really horrible. And even if it only happened one time, that was one time too many, you know, those are the things we need to hear um, from other people, but we also need to hear it from ourselves. Yeah. And I do think that when we are able to hear it from ourselves and to really say, you know, to younger Dave, like, Mm. I am so sorry. Like Mm. no matter what kind of pain that guy was going through, you did not deserve that little Dave. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's helped me to talk to my younger self. It's so good. And because otherwise it's like, well, this age, Nicole can be fine. Like I can give compassion out like Oprah, you know, or like, (laughs) or, or be able to say like, I'm tough and I'm strong enough and I can do da, 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 da. Yeah. If you look back and I look at like eight year old Nicole and I Mm. am just like, Yes. I, hell no. Right. Like right. it didn't matter that he had this problem going on. Exactly. Or I don't, I don't need to have compassion for him there mm. because he really fucked up. Yes, exactly. He should have never done that yes. to me, to you. You know what I mean? So yes. I think the inner child, the younger version of us is one really helpful way to remove that toxic positivity yes. and to really validate that younger version of you. That's so and there's helpful. a lot of healing there. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. That's really helpful. Yeah. It makes me think about Brene Brown said something like, we're not thinking beings that feel, we're feeling beings that think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, you know, a lot of us, even, you know, those, and I'm not, I know I'm a feeler. I'm a four on the Enneagram. I don't know oh, if you know. Okay. If you, um, yeah, I'm like, a nine. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I know that I feel deep and I go, like mm-hmm. I go towards that and I can recognize yeah. that as truth. I think a lot of times we want to think we're actually 41 and not still five years old, you that's know, right. like that's still yeah. at work in me. That kid is still there. Yeah. Yes. He's still there and he needs 
to be heard. Yeah. He needs to be validated because otherwise he's still needing attention. Right. You know what I mean? Or he's yeah. still thinking, well, you know, I guess I should have let that happen because that guy, you know what I mean? Like well, I yeah. think there's power in speaking back to that child and yeah. saying, no way. There's nothing you did wrong. You did not deserve that. Yes. And yep. I think, I think growing up in the tradition that we did, and I'm, I grew up Pentecostal, but it has similar roots to, I think, did you grow up Nazarene? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was this, like, if something bad happened to me, I must've brought it onto myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And so therefore I'm not about to tell anybody that something bad happened to me. That's right. Yeah. There's all of this. You talk a lot about secrecy. Purity and, culture. Yeah. Purity. Oh my God. Purity culture. That's another mm-hmm. thing you talked about in that episode that I found. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got married at 22 years old for purity mm-hmm. culture. You know, it's like, right. Yeah. And we don't, who's, who knows anything about life at that age? You know, um, I see, I teach, I literally have kids in my school that are 20. I'm like, I was engaged. Wow. You yeah, you're, like, like, you're just a baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It's really wild. And, um, and it's so painful that we have to come to people like myself, come to this at a later age. And, you know, you've been speaking out about this since what, 2002? Mm-hmm. ish yep. yeah. yeah um and that's that's incredible because i think um i w- uh, my last guest uh said something about forgiving herself for not coming to an earlier realization of where she, you know she's tried everything to with depression and anxiety tried everything and finally something clicked you know at, at mm. this age and she had to forgive herself for not getting there sooner Mm. Uh, I think that feels healthy to me rather than being like, ah, I am so mad at myself for not realizing this sooner. I just have to forgive myself. I I didn't have the skills. I didn't know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, it's part of the journey. As we go, we get more tools and and more realizations and and that's, that's normal. That's good. That's, you know, we have such a high expectation on ourselves. Our younger versions of ourselves have known everything. And that's, I think, part of, you know, publishing a book at 27 years old. Mm. And then it's like, it's still out there. And yes, God does amazing things with that book. And I'm so grateful, but there's so much that I would change now because I've changed. I mean, I'm 41 now that's 13, 14 years. It's, there's a lot to learn. And but instead of being ashamed of that and being like, oh, can I take some of that back? <laughs> it's more just like, bro, that was normal. And like, yeah. if I was still that way now, that would, there would be a problem there. So no, I'm Absolutely. glad. I am Absolutely. grateful that I've had all of these years of learning and I can continue to have a voice, you know, on my podcast or speaking out at different stages. I mean, that's great. I can continue to put out new things as I learn, as I hope everyone is still learning. But to think that at 27, that I could have had it all figured out, that would be crazy. And I Mm. hope everyone reading my books knows that. I think that, yes, I do. You know, it's funny. I was like, I've read your book and I find it, you know, uh, where I struggle with uh, is people who judge someone else's journey, right? So mm-hmm. I read reviews. There was one person who did not like that you you talk about Jesus and yeah. like and uh, any negative review. That's always what it is. Yeah, yeah, and that's and it's too bad because what like in context, you're t- someone who talked about being sexually abused by your stepfather for ten years, and then he committed suicide after completed suicide after like what, what was it like five days after you spoke? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. One week. Yep. uh, And I'm like, 
that was what you were using. That's how you process the world. That's what you needed. And to judge someone else for that is pain. But I get also people, uh, I guess I understand a lot of people have been hurt by the church. So that might be their first reaction. Yes. Yes. So, so now Mm -hmm. as a person, you know, 13 years removed from writing, you now have a different voice. You now have uh, grown, you know, I have a, I have a Jesus fish tattoo. That's my first tattoo that I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's not the way I like, I wouldn't get a Jesus fish again, but, but it reminds me of who I was at 21, Mm, you know? And I need that. I need that. It's like a a little, it's these, these things, it's not something to be ashamed about. Right. That's right. Yeah. If I'm ashamed of who I am, that's a problem. Um, Yeah. I need to be, pay attention. I have a survivor. There's a male survivor. And so as they continue to put resources out, um, it's, it's called Unleashed. So we have like an e-course. I just put it out during the pandemic and we have an online support group for survivors. It's awesome. It's an Mm. eight week course we meet. So there's film that's involved. And one of the male survivors in the film said the exact same thing about his tattoos, that Mm. it's a reminder of where he's been and how far he's come Love it. and he wouldn't cover them up. And no. I'm just like, that's so cool. Yeah. And his are kind of the opposite. It's like gang stuff. And like, now he's like <laughs> more like, but you know what I mean? It's just, it's, that's a really cool thing. And I yeah. think again, it too, it's, it's markers in our healing journey. One of the mm. exercises in mm. the unleashed course is, um, to draw a map of your healing and like, you know, there's hills, there's valleys, there's straightaway sprints. There's places where you're barely able to just stand still through yeah. a storm and like label those times. Like I love what, that. what was that for you? And I think even like a tattoo like that can be that reminder, but it's a reminder of how far you've gone come. Yeah. And like, there's always more steps to be taken. And that's where the hope is. I, you know, in hush, I talk about something that I do still stand on is that the healing journey is like a long, dark tunnel with a pinpoint of light at the end. Mm. And the light is the hope, but truly it's just about right foot, left foot, like one step at a time. And it's not until you take one more step that then the next step is illuminated because you can't see the whole journey. Mm. If you could, I think it would be overwhelming. Absolutely. It's just about what can I do next? Right. Absolutely. Uh, First of all, I will say that Jesus's crew was a gang, um, (laughs) (laughs) which is why he was crucified by the state. But uh, oh, I, <laughs> uh, I don't, that's one, that's one of the issues I do have that I can't enter back into Christianity um, because it's not revolutionary. It is conventional. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that upholds the yeah. empire. That's right. In so that's many hard. ways. Um, yeah. And so I'm wondering today, I literally am wondering, like in this moment today, I've been thinking, what in the world does community look like for a person of faith who's been inspired deeply by the life and teachings of Jesus? And wants to seek whatever he described as the kingdom. What you know? What does that look like today? Because for me, it cannot look mm-hmm. like the singing, the songs, the listening yeah. to the the thing. Um, and <laughs> you know, I think a lot of us at, in our generation are probably asking that question a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're, I love. I think um, yeah. I've recently I noticed that you had released that um, unleashed course mm-hmm. it maxes out at eight people right it's not like a big thing it's like eight people right it's yep. small group but we keep offering them yeah you know, that's that's great all, all year long yeah yeah uh i just wonder so much what is community now and mm-hmm. how do we recognize first um because i've been a part of some really intentional communities 
and have and something about those communities at some point i have found i'm i'm hitting a max for myself like mm-hmm. i i i get i feel weary i feel untrusting and yeah. i and so i don't know I, it's just a question i got yeah. nothing <laughs> Well, it's a great question. I think it's something I am currently dealing with. I mean, that is what's hard when you've been walking with this group for so long, but you're all kind of taking little side paths, you know, and then it's, yeah. And then the conversations just become kind of surfacey because, you know, there's stuff you can't go deep with, but then there'll be a couple people that you do go deep with. Yes. So then you're having, you know, the side coffee (laughs) chats and the dinners and the drinks with them. Right. Um, Right. So I think it's about being intentional with those who are tracking with you Hmm. and then just being sort of, mm, for me right now, willing to show up for those who maybe I'm not tracking with so much anymore. Wow. That takes some serious strength. Uh, You know, I have in my family also. I'm, I'm on the one side of the aisle, I guess, in terms of the way people would categorize politically. And then my family's on yeah. the other, Same. it is very difficult. Yeah. And for, for someone like yourself who shows up for so many people, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a, that's, that's some serious strength. Cause it does also look like you continue to take care of yourself too. Well, uh, and that's what I would say is yeah. I've had to learn the boundaries within that. So yeah you know, when maybe my small group wants to study a book that I definitely (laughs) burned probably a few years ago, (laughs) you know, and like, okay, do I speak up here or not? Yeah. Choosing to, and knowing there's going to be repercussions, you know, it's those kinds of decisions or, you know, maybe I just, I can't do that family I can't do that family gathering this time. I just right. don't have it in me. Right. But like, I love you and we'll connect again, you know? Yeah. Oh, I just listened to a recent, we can do hard things episode. And if you're listening mm-hmm. to Glennon Doyle oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and she had Elizabeth Gilbert on who talked about, did you hear this? She talked yeah, about just this morning. Yeah. Oh my Lord. Well, she talked about the one, the episode from Tuesday. She talked about her, uh, her partner who, was dying of cancer, but became addicted to drugs once again, and how she had to stand up and be like, you know what, I can't do this. And it was just like, wow, that strength mm. that I don't know. Yeah, that, that I can't. Right. And, and it's inspiring. And pain at the same time. Oh, like, so much. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just the hard choices that you have to make. Yeah, for your own health, your right. mental health. That's what I've had to understand. Is like you know, I have been a people pleaser for most of my life. And yeah. now it's just like, there's power in saying no. Yeah. There's, there's so much wholeness and health. When I say my mental health comes first or my family's health comes first and not caring anymore about mm. what people think about it. Right. Oh, I used to care so much and it was just Oh, it was so <laughs> exhausting. And now I just feel so free to just be able to say your own truth. Yes, absolutely. Let the pieces fall where they're going to fall. <laughs> oh, I love that, Nicole. I, I, um, when I heard you, you know, talking about Cambodia, I, when you've experienced something that is so traumatic that you, I mean, you're an empath, that's clear, but you also have a life story that can connect with deep pain, even if it's not yours. Right. And I've, you know, I've had the experience of going to Haiti or most of my life has been working with people who are 
um, experiencing homelessness. And mm-hmm. I have a very hard time connecting with people, just my regular social groups. I wonder what that was like for you and what it's like now. I mean, you do have people, but like you go to Cambodia and you experience yeah. a mother who's lost her two children to child. <laughs> like, how do you yeah. then come back and relate to anybody? Okay. Well, I'll tell you the first time I came back, you know, I've been there multiple times. Um, the first time I came back, my husband was complaining to me about <laughs> one of the trees in our yard that a deer was rubbing on and the bark was coming off and it was probably going to die. And I was just like, do you know how many kids die per day? Oh. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yes. I don't care about our perfect yard. <laughs> yes. Like right. the fact that we have this nice home, our kids are fed, like, no. So I, but but then it's like, okay, he didn't go. So like tame it down. You know what I mean? That's so, so that's, good. Yes. Yeah. It's, that's- it's annoying though. But let me say, that's good. it's not even just Cambodia for me anymore. It's yeah. like, it's my black and brown friends. It's yeah. my gay friends. Like yes. that's where I just see, okay, you don't have to even travel down the street. Like- no. It's just walk outside your house and the stories of the hurt and the harm and the fear in this country. Um, that's enough for me to, to want to just stop being the one that's going to say all the, th- the right things and yeah. have all the answers. And I'm just going to say, ah, that is really messed up. And mm. how can I be here for you right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Absolutely. And it that's where it bothers me too within like church communities, especially if they're all white, where they yep. don't see all of that. And it's it's about me, me, me. Yep. And yep. what can I receive and what can we just do together that I have a hard time with? Mm. Um yeah. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Putting it lightly, right? Sorry. <laughs> I just know this is safe here, so no, I'm saying it's there. true. Yeah, okay. no, it's frustrating. Yeah. Like I, I would, I, I think that is, uh, that is frustrating is a word we'll go with. It's, um, yeah, to, to see that there are people that, I mean, and, and it takes someone who's experienced being an outsider, being, feeling manipulated, abused, and to, to often see the way that the system perpetuates abuse. Maybe that's it for me. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times I just say it's because they're my friends. It's because I've come to know them and I've heard their stories and I believe them. I believe them. There's a reason you believe them. I think there's also a reason. Yes. Because I've, I've also experienced when a system wants to silence you and actually perpetuated the harm against you and created space for grooming and all of that. So you're right. I think, I think there's a part of that where I maybe can relate more than just having been a listening ear. No, I think that's what, that's what opens you up to it. I believe that. I think it's, uh, it's hard because when you see, you know, the, the national conversation changed with George Floyd. Yeah. Uh, and the pandemic. But then you saw very quickly within three months, all the white people who were once like, yeah, Black Lives Matter and this is unjust started to be like, wait a second. Uh, Blue Lives Matter, too. <laughs> and so like they right. they they could get down to a certain level. Mm-hmm. And then once it started to like 
be like, well, wait, now I'm uncomfortable. Now you're challenging my, my life. Really, when it comes to any injustice, when mm -hmm. any group, take any group, we're talking right now about people of color, um, it's going to challenge you to shift the way you live. It has to. Right. In our culture, which is so individually focused, you know, we have fences for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think it enables us to not see, to not engage. And then once you hear it, then you're like, shit, I can't unsee it. Yeah. So That's I have to shut, I have to shut it out or put up a defense mechanism to make sure that it doesn't keep staying there. Right. And that's what we saw as a collective. A lot of yeah. people that we are, that you and I would be connected with, mm -hmm. um, put up those defense mechanisms to be like, ah, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. So, yeah. So yeah. yeah, the, my neighbor, who's the cop, they matter because they're in my life every day. And mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to ruin that, that, mm -hmm. you know, exactly. um, but it's, yep. but that's the way the system upholds sexual abuse. It upholds um, you name the thing it upholds trafficking because mm -hmm. no one wants to like upset their neighbor who might appear to be a little more powerful than them or that's right. Yeah. 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 Even after like the George Floyd, um, murder, I, yeah. I had one of my really good friends on the podcast and she's a black woman. And I just went real honest with her. And I was saying like, I see a lot of similarities in the way that racism and white supremacy crosses over with sexual abuse and, um, mm. and the way that people talk about it Absolutely. politically and publicly. And I said, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that as mm. a white woman. And she said, you're allowed because it makes sense. I said, well, you know, the way that we're blamed for abuse, yes. the way that blacks are blamed for their murders. It's yes. very similar Absolutely. that they asked for it, that they deserved it. Mm. You know, it's very similar. And so, yeah, I, I see what you're saying about the institutions and being able to relate. Cause that, that's the one thing that always came back to me. I just see so many parallels with it. I mean, the system was made for me, right? So the system was made yeah. for people that look like me from places mm -hmm. that I'm from and not you, uh, not people of color, not women, not people of color. It was right. not made for you. Mm -hmm. So it's working. It's working right. the way it was made. Yes. Which is to make things streamlined for me and make it more difficult for people, for women and for people. It's still doing that. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing that in quite a few ways in today's headlines, you know? Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Men, white men can control our bodies, black and brown bodies, yes. women's bodies. It's yeah. yes. Oh my God. It is so it. And it's just like, you know, that was one of the first learnings for me when I started pastoring in a city that was that white people would we were the minority. I started to realize like most of the people were Democrats. Most of the like black folks are Democrats. I'm like, man, as a white Republican growing up, that was unfathomable that a Christian could be a Democrat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Unfathomable. Um, it's a religion. <laughs> yeah. It is the right. Religion. Well, yeah. because the two issues were what gay marriage and abortion. Right. So if you're a Democrat, that means you're you you're an abomination. Yeah. You support abominations, um, yeah. uh, which is actually amazing because the Bible speaks so little about um, mm -hmm. either of those topics uh, right. and the, the the texts that people use um, to speak about those topics don't even speak about those topics. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. mind boggling. To but be it, 
but it is one of those things where once your eyes are open to a particular part of the system, you can't, you, you're, you're, you see it. You can't, mm-hmm. and you're destined to see all the parts. Yeah. And it sounds like when you, when you talk about that, like as soon as you saw that, you're like, yeah, that connects. Mm-hmm. I can see how that's painful and unjust. Yeah. 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 And I didn't want to make it about me. And that's why I asked her right. permission. Can right. I make that comparison? She was like, absolutely. Yeah. And that felt really good to hear that from her um, because it was really resonating with me hard. Right. Um, and, you know, I could, I could, I could feel some of the feelings there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, my black and brown friends who would, who are leaders in a lot of these movements and uh, mm-hmm. anti-racist movements would say that a white person needs to connect with their pain mm-hmm. the way the system has dehumanized them in order to be part of this anti-racist mm-hmm. thing. So mm-hmm. I would say it's essential that you yeah. make, make it about you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. you, you recognize that. Like when you go speak somewhere, how many people come up to you and are like, oh, thank you for saying that. And, and they yeah. share their life with you. Yeah. So many. Yeah. Yeah. It's a natural thing we have when we hear something that connects with us. We're like, oh, oh, me too. And I think mm-hmm. like as adults, we have to learn restraint and like, yeah, just listen. Yes. Right. <laughs> First, you know, <laughs> exactly. Like, being human yeah. is to connect with other human experiences. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wonder now, like you're still going around speaking. What are like, is your main focus now the unleashed groups? What are you like throwing your energy into right now? Mm-hmm. AAU basketball. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's taking Re- over my life, but that's not what you expected. No, that's good though. It's true. Uh, yeah, it's true. Woo. Um, yeah. So my kids are just really busy with that, which I actually really love it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, unleash is a big one. I have truly found it's like my church. Mm, It's yes. I mean, we're meeting online on zoom once a week for an hour and we're Mm. just, we're talking about, we're just taking off the masks and the expectations of how we're supposed to show up. Um, and we're showing up as we actually are. And we're mm. saying like, this is my struggle or these are my questions. Um, and no one's trying to answer them. Mm. We're just journeying together, encouraging each other, loving each other um, with the masks off. And then thinking about each other as our week goes on. Mm. You know what I mean? And that just is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, um, it is. So, yeah, I'm just, I really am throwing my whole heart into that. I'm leading them with one of my friends who's a therapist. It's been mm. just a really beautiful, beautiful journey. Um, That's amazing. And, you know, I'm still doing some writing and I'm still speaking and doing all of that. So I, I, I try to dabble in a little of all the things that I've always been doing. And then of course my podcast too. So, yeah. Yeah. And are you writing a new book? I am. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's exciting. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.